0: You're listening to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Worrello and I have another great guest lined up for you today. And it's someone I think you're going to really love. But before we enjoy a deep conversation together, I want to remind you why we're here. Because this podcast, it's about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things. Purpose, impact and prosperity for all. We want to encourage you to think a little wider about your own life from your personal and professional development to also ask the question, how can I make a meaningful impact with my life? It's time for us to find a way to live in resonance with each other and all living things. And at Sacred Changemakers, we're here to help, to build the foundations of a more equitable, loving and resonant world. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Sometimes we'll be interviewing changemakers, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations tackling the challenging issues of our times. But first, a word to our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Coaches Business School, the world's leading business training for coaches and consultants, helping them to succeed in business so they can make a meaningful difference in our world. Go to coachesbusinessschool.com to get the tools, strategies, and frameworks you need to enjoy growing your business in a way that is profitable, predictable, and purpose-driven. A big thank you to all of our coaches, because without them, this wouldn't be possible. So our guest on the podcast this week is Angela Nesbitt, an executive coach, facilitator and mentor for leaders who want to increase their social impact while running profitable businesses. She helps clients create much needed clarity, navigate uncertainty and create powerful partnerships to leverage their impact. She speaks with a rare passion about her unique approach to inspired leadership that is supporting leaders through these uncertain times of change and complexity, helping them to focus on what is most meaningful and continue to evolve and redefine their definitions of success. And in her spare time, she's passionate about sailing, tango, and gardening. Angela, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to finally welcome you to the Sacred Changemakers podcast. A very, very warm welcome to you, my friend. Thank you, I'm so excited to be here and honored, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's probably right now that we tell everyone what we're gonna be talking about, which is our title for today's conversation, is Inspiring Leaders for the New World That Is Emerging which, you know, just seems so important, so relevant in today's world for me. So I can't wait to dive in deep with you. But before we do, I'm going to ask you the same question that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, which is, you know, our listeners have just heard your bio. And yet there is a real life human behind that bio. So I wonder if you just let us take a sneak peek at who that human is I mean who is she tell us a little bit about her okay well
1: where do I start Um, I'm first going to say probably the thing that makes me most proud in my life and the work I've done is raising my daughters Uh, whenever I doubt myself I still remember yeah I did a good job there Um, so they're very important to me Uh, and my work I think is an extension of who I am. So I naturally want to contribute by helping people create clarity and make sense of their situ- of whatever's in front of them. And uh, it's really important to me that those around me have a sense of belonging and feel as though they're in relationship, that they feel good about themselves and, I want them to resonate with their strengths. And and that happens whether I'm meeting somebody for the first time or not. Um, I don't think there are coincidences or there are a few coincidences in my life. And I just find more and more that things are lining up for me. And even this work that I'm doing now, it's been building, I guess, for decades. Just now it's ready.
0: Um, and and I, I know that about you. And I suppose what's coming up for me as I'm listening to you is this idea of, you know, like how did you get to where you are today? You know, if you look back on, on life, like what are the milestones in your journey that have kind of made you who you are today doing this kind of aligned work as you, as you talk about it? Um well
1: I think I started off in a very intellectual world, very scientific. I, I got a business school degree, and so I understand that part of people would use it slightly, the left brain. Uh, and then there came a point in my life where what well, it was, I remember exactly what it was. I was introduced to Deepak Chopra and it was an unusual experience. And I went, oh, all those other things, those unsaid things that I knew existed, I now had words for, and I could marry both sides of my life, the logical intellectual side with the more spiritual stuff that's under the water Yes, and so that's, I think that's been my journey to gain confidence that I can see the unseen and make it visible and move between what I, t- you might have seen this metaphor, the iceberg now is quite popular. All these things you can see above the water and all the things under the surface of the water that drive our lives and my, My life's work is to connect those two to make the invisible visible.
0: And I love that you're talking about that because, you know, in many ways, I think this is a a threshold in a way of change that, that we all get to at some point in our life where, cause to me, it sounds a little bit like you're describing and please tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth and they don't resonate, which is, you know it almost sounds like a journey to wholeness and I say that because we live in a world that really kind of puts on a pedestal, the logical, the rational, the scientific, mm. and almost negates the spiritual, the intuitive, the, the, the kind of, the, even the creative arts, you know, we, we kind of push them away. And that's what I'm hearing you talk about here, when you talk about this, you know, making the, the invisible visible, those unseen things, because that's something I know about you yeah. and, and I really value in, in our conversations is when you really, it's like you have a laser pointer, Angela, to go directly <laughs> to what it is people need to hear. Thank you. And, and it, I,
1: it's so true. And it seems to me increasingly people are in one of two caps. They're in the um, logical left brain stuff, or they're in the spiritual right brain creates that. And um, increasing I fact, no, we need to have both at the same time. It's not an either or. Yeah. That so much of what we thought was woo woo, well, quantum mechanics has changed that and said, look, this is for real. So, so in fact, I'm starting to see how scientists are in some ways resonating more with the invisible, unknown world than many people who think they are um, in the spiritual world. Like, it's a both and, it's always a both and. And as um, Richard Rohr would say, if it's true, it's always true for all people at all times.
0: Oh, I just feel myself sinking into that as you say that because that feels like a real soul truth to me. Yes. Said those words. yes. It really yeah, does. It is. <clears throat> it is. You know and I suppose I, I want to walk you back to something you've said here very easily like because it's so obvious to you but it may not be obvious to our listeners which is why I want to talk about this which is you've said that you know one of your strengths is actually making the invisible visible and and you notice the unseen and I've actually seen you do that in action and what's interesting about this is the assumption underneath this where you said but it's the invisible that's driving the show mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. so what do you mean by that so that our listeners can understand that more well
1: probably at the simplest level it's um our habits, our attitudes, our beliefs, our expectations. They're like software telling us what to do at every moment. And for most of us, it's unexamined. For all of us, it's some parts, of was unexamined. So there's always this constant journey to bring that to light and to become more conscious and aware of what's behind the decision that we're doing automatically. And I'm not gonna say every um, belief has to always be examined, but when, when things aren't happening the way you like, if you feel out of alignment, you're struggling, you're not getting to a solution and you keep on repeating this mistake, well, there's, there's a piece of software somewhere that's running through you that's making that happen. And uh, so that's at an individual level. And then when we get into groups, whether it's a family or an organization, then there's this collective uh, thought patterns that govern how we have to behave if we're going to be successful in that situation. So to be successful in your marriage or in your family of origin, there's some rules that might be quite different from what the rules are at work. And we start to learn what they are and If you want to be able to perform at a higher level, have a greater sense of happiness and meaning and satisfaction, then you need to be able to know what those unsaid rules are to change them, to make your life more meaningful and productive and happier. Well, said a lot of things.
0: (laughs) No, but it makes perfect sense because, you know, For those of us that have like, and and quite a few, I would think in our audience would have a background in psychology because coaches tend to kind of understand about human change and how the mind works Mm -hmm. and things. You know, I think there's probably some of us that understand that, you know, we've got more unconscious things going on than we have conscious. And what I'm hearing you say is that one of the things you help people do is, you know, not just make the invisible visible, but you're also making the unconscious conscious. Is that true? Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, absolutely. And to learn the skills to do it for yourself. Right. So we might work together for a time, but then you have the the basic tools to go home and work um, on how it affects your household or how it affects your golf game or whatever is important to you.
0: Mm. And so... I'm gonna ask you a very direct question now. Like what has this got to do with leaders in organizations? Why should they be listening to you? Well,
1: there's a new world emerging mm. after this global pandemic. And much of what I have to say was valid before, but I think we're now ready. We've been knocked around a bit. There were more ready to hear that if you're going to be a leader that is going to inspire people, inspire your people to greater heights, you need to have for yourself and your team, the capacity to navigate uncertainty. And this is, this is more than what you learned in business school. Um, you need to be able to create powerful partnerships, a network of different types of people who are going to help you. Otherwise it's just, it's just too hard. And um, you have to individually and as a team, have your actions aligned with where you want to go, who you are, what your values are. And and it's, it's, I've got three categories, but it's a bit like having a car Wheels—they need to be in alignment. You need to, everything needs to be going in a line direction. But it isn't—it isn't as simple as. Certainly, isn't as simple as when I went to business school and what I was told I needed to learn, which you have to know, you have to understand key performance indicators and strategy and um, EBITDA. But there's more than that. You people are not machines. Henry Ford famously said, every time he tries to hire a pair of hands, he gets a whole person with him." And and individuals are complex systems. And if you ask your team members to come and only show a bit of them, like come in sideways and just show us from your left shoulder in, you don't get the whole person. You don't get all of their creativity and their motivation and their willingness to make a difference. Hmm.
0: Isn't that interesting? I've never heard that quote actually (laughs) about, you know, every time I I try and hire a pair of hands, I get a whole person with it. I think that's a genius and very insightful quote because we are moving. I think, well, I say we are moving. My hope is, I think, after working with leaders for so many years now, that we are moving towards like allowing and enabling whole humans. To be in the workplace. But quite honestly, when I look out there and I see, you know, in my client base and beyond, I still see so many organizations struggling with this because, Mm -hmm. you know, if I use your language, there aren't many KPIs that are attached to leaders being more human. (laughs) Let me say it that way. Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh -uh. And and yet there are, there is empirical evidence that when, as a leader, you become more effective at allowing the whole person to come in, when you are much clearer about the thought patterns and the behaviors that are expected, that are in alignment with a growing organization, so in business terms, we talk about a high-performance organization. You get a high—you need a high-performance culture. You need people with a mental toughness and alignment, and capacity and compassion. And you will see that drop to the bottom line very quickly. And it's only really—you just have to have very small increments in change towards alignment—and it drops straight down to the bottom line.
0: Mm. And is there evidence and, and data? Yes, that... absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, right. you know, from the, um, oh, um,
1: good to great guy, what um, Collins, right? Yeah, Jim Collins. Yeah, <clears throat> um, he talked about it and I see it in my work. And it, yes, we can measure culture. Hmm. We can measure the um, belief systems that an individual leader is holding on to that's getting in the way of their high performance, of their leadership. Um, Even to something that is now people are more aware of, these belief systems bleed into your ability to have an inclusive workforce.
0: It's so interesting because you just reminded me of a really old Harvard Business Review article. And for the life of me, I can't remember who wrote it. It'll be one of the leadership grades. And it was called something like Culture Eats Strategy for Breakfast. Yes, <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you're talking about, isn't it? Yes. And, and
1: when I say culture, it is think About very simply, these are the thought patterns that you need to exercise to fit into this organization, mm-hmm. and that, whatever culture you have, that it defines the maximum performance an individual can have. So, I like, can you know those ants in a, a jar, and um, well, those jo- no, not ants, uh, flies, or no, um, I forget what they use in science, but these, um, these, these little insects that jump a lot and you just put them into a jar and you have a lid that's fairly low and they will jump and bang up against that lid and then that's as high as they can go mm.
0: yeah and I think that's the you know that's the habit formation isn't it that's the exactly. way we we learn challenge. about our environment and we fit ourselves to mm-hmm. the environment and the cultures we find ourselves within and very often, I I mean, I can speak for myself as well. Certainly in my early years, I remember losing myself in my work because it was almost like I couldn't bring my whole self to work at all. Mm -hmm. So I'm remembering um, back to my early career and I I want to share something with you because I really want to get your take on this (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's kind of relevant to the new world that is emerging one of the things I used to do in my early career when I wasn't very confident Angela was Mm -hmm. as I was going into the corporate head office right and I'm talking about when I was a consultant in my early years as well as uh, when I've worked in corporate organizations as an employee I remember I used to wear and it was it was like the late 80s early 90s so I would put on my jacket with its shoulder pads on Mm -hmm. because when I did that that helped me feel like a leader Mm -hmm. and then as I walked through the front door of the corporate office wherever it was into the reception area that would almost be my my corridor from being Jane like in normal life to almost adopting or embodying this professional consultant or leader whatever role I was mm-hmm. in in that organization so that I could become who that organization needed me to be exactly and and now I look at the world and I think wow if if that if what's happening today had happened back then when I was in my 20s mm-hmm. Now people are working virtually, they're not putting on jackets, they're not walking through, you know, Mm -hmm. the the front doors of the corporate office. They're not even and I also used to use my drive to and from work to kind of let go of one way of being and move into like mum for me if I was coming home to Mm -hmm. my little girls or whatever. And so it's like we're losing some of these I'm going to call them corridors for want of a better word. We're losing this space of becoming, you know, like taking parts of ourselves and letting those go and then fragmenting ourselves into what the profession needs us to be. We're losing those corridors of becoming because now people are just sat at their home desk, you know, their kitchen's right there and, you know, and and they may even have small children in the background. Mm -hmm. And now it's just like it's it's not work life balance like we used to talk about it in the 80s and 90s. It's now just kind of life. How are leaders navigating that in this space?
1: Well, I can generally I would say generally with difficulty Mm -hmm. because. Change for most people is difficult. This has been dumped on them. and people are suddenly realising, oh, so and so who I've worked with for ten years, I'm seeing her differently. I mean, she, she's a mother, and like, oh, look at that backsplash in her kitchen. Um, I think it's demanding that, because partly because the pace of change has accelerated, uh, the the leaders that are the most effective in pivoting or expanding at this time are digging down into their compassion and by compassion it isn't just being understand being able to see somebody where they're at but also to be of service and to know what's needed for that person at that time is so and so under stress or an overwhelm I can see it um and I need to be able to, as a leader, respond appropriately. There, um, because people are more and more people at least are not working in, not taking the corridor into the office. You need to be able to have employees that understand right action. They they have their values, they know what the company stands for, they know what the vision is, they know. They have the confidence and clarity to take the next right action when there isn't somebody next door to tell them exactly what to do next. And these leaders need to go somewhere where many of them have avoided, and that is going, as I said, below the water to go on this inner journey because they are bumping up against themselves and their own limiting beliefs their own fears are are coming up There's a greater need for discernment and intuition because the the rules have changed and the rules aren't written out any longer. Hmm. It it was so clear to me when I was a management consultant, exactly how I would dress, um, exactly how the reports would look. I mean, there were so many rules to follow that in some ways gave me freedom, but in many other ways meant that I left part of me behind.
0: And I know that a lot of your work is inside of organizational life. Mm. But I, I do want to ask because our title, Inspiring Leaders for mm. the New World That Is Emerging, also for me feels like that's a kind of a, that's not necessarily constrained by positional leadership within organizations. Mm. Is it that leadership is changing now so that it becomes relevant? I'm not, I feel like I'm kind of, I'm going to stop myself here because I feel like I'm directing you in a way. Mm-hmm. And what I really want to say is Sacred Changemakers is all about, you know, all of us stepping up in this time, all in us feeling inspired and accountable and looking for the opportunities in our own lives to actually step up and lead not necessarily in ways that we learn about you know at business school or graduate school but about just aligning my own life with what matters most to me and that might be my my children you know you talked about your daughters at the beginning here and these are things that are very important to to all of us as parents you know and and so I I really want to ask you about you know, how do you perceive leadership to be changing as this new world is beginning to emerge? I mean, what's your sense of what's going on right now, Angela?
1: Well, I, I can confidently say this is a global change. The, the, the leadership is less and less attached to um, authority that you have been given by somebody else, and more to do with your relationship with the people around you and your own integrity. So it's increasingly moving to those around you, giving you the authority, not so much your boss, but the people you're working with. And this is something that I think we need to start teaching children. And I have done this. I have um, spent a lot of time teaching young people, how to lead their lives because if they understand how they're thinking and how these thoughts are governing them and being able to change their thought patterns, that gives them the freedom to make choices and to be accountable. And so, and I can see this now, people are start, will sometimes look at their children. I, I remember vividly, we had a, um, a leak, it was a very, very heavy, um, rainfall and there was leaking coming through the basement into the house. And I remember how my younger daughter took on a leadership role because she was able to figure out how to use a baby cup essentially to collect this water. we would go into a bucket and tell us what to do because she has, Then she would have been maybe eight or something. She had, her strengths are very strong on logistics and seeing what's gonna happen, do this, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. And so here she had her mother, her older sister, her great aunt and great uncle. And for a short time, she took on a leadership role because she had the skills and we respected that she could see something we couldn't see. So for for those who are stuck with rigid ideas of leadership, They're being left behind Their organizations aren't working. And and I'm going to, while I'm at it, because I can just imagine somebody saying, well, what about if you're talking about the military or something like that? And I'm going to say something I probably wrote about maybe 25 years ago is that the US military's idea of leadership was far more creative and innovative than corporate America. Mm because they did not have the resources that corporate America has to waste on paying people extra money. So they had to be more creative. So this is, this is an important subject and whatever we thought about leadership from the 1950s, that's gone. That's gone apart from maybe in a few places,
0: I don't know where. So what are we inviting in? What would you like? I mean, what's your vision for this new world that you would like to see emerge? So um, for leaders? Well, yes, if yes, and.
1: (laughs) Okay, so let's start with with leaders. Um, I am playing for leaders to understand that their, their ability to expand their impact requires them to really understand themselves, know their values, their purpose, what they stand for, that they are, uh, what's the word? Um, That they're compassionate, that they're practicing compassion and they're practicing right action. Those are like keys. You need to have this inner knowing inside of you, and then you expand out into your hard skills um like de- developing people and um, envisioning and systems thinking but it all starts from the inside out and I want to I'm in service to leaders who want they want to make a profit absolutely because profit is the blood that keeps the business going or the breath that keeps the business going if you don't have profit you don't stay alive, but also that they understand that their success depends on their people and the environment they live in. So they're playing for people, profit, and planet. And those are the ones that are more successful. The ones that are taking shortcuts are, their bottom lines aren't as good, or it's not sustainable. And we see that in the, the companies that, as we emerge out of this pandemic, the companies that have just taken off with, um, and those that haven't, there are lots of companies come out saying, oh my goodness, we're coming out with a more engaged workforce. than we went into the pandemic. That's because they looked after their employees as well as doing their hard work, like making sure they had the right KPIs and the right initiatives and
0: strategy and stuff. Hmm. So please excuse me for a moment as I play devil's advocate here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I just
0: thinking, I'm just thinking of like, you know, uh, some organizations I have worked within where, you know, I've started to have similar conversations with people and then they just turn around to me and say, look, I'm already doing the job of three people. I have to get my like KPIs in. I've got to hit my targets. I just don't have time to do some of this softer skill stuff that you're talking about here, Angela, because Mm. otherwise I can't, I can't give my like great results, high performance to the stakeholders that are waiting to, for my results at the end of the quarter so you know yeah you know if you can replicate me I can do it but given the fact that I'm only human I can only do what I'm going to do and I'm already stretched to capacity here and this just feels like another thing you're giving me to do on my to-do list what do you say to those people?
1: Well yes um, I hear them and I, I, I can see why it feels like that because a lot of people aren't overstretched and yet if they don't do this work it'll all be for naught mm-hmm. it's like you know, the, the people say i have to keep working i don't have time i don't have time to stop and breathe okay but you know your thinking's not gonna be that good i'm working so hard i don't have time to exercise yes and if you find time to if you carve out a few minutes to exercise you will find yourself more productive i don't have time to do this that yes, and if you continue to have a culture that excludes so many employees, you will just continue to underperform. So it is an investment, it isn't easy at first to um, either develop the habits or the new practices, but the returns are very quick.
0: And that's good to know, because speed is something that organizations value. <laughs> so, um, and sustainability is something that's coming more and more into the conversation, I believe, um particularly post pandemic. So when you think about the world right now, mm-hmm. you know, and you know we're we're full of corporate leaders that are kind of trying to navigate the tensions that we're all facing right now and the huge levels of complexity of systems that don't seem to be fitted for where we're headed seem more fitted and attached to the past than they are to the future. I mean, what advice would you give to someone who's listening in here that might be working for an organization whose, let me say their senior team isn't quite aligned with the message that you're bringing here and and maybe this person is a senior leader but not right in the c-suite i mean do you have any advice for them on on what they can do um to really start to well some of your strengths make more of the visible like visible Mm -hmm. the invisible visible for themselves but really to show up more whole and inspire through their leadership other people to do that too well
1: It's a big question and um, I'm gonna take a stab because I don't know all the particulars. I I think as somebody who may not think they have the control to change um, the big picture, they can do the small stuff, they can work on themselves. That might be carving out 15, 30 minutes to exercise a day so that you can metabolize the stress that you are experiencing and then turn up to work a better person. But there's also um, things like learning to deliberately create trust of those around you because the more trust you have, and this is a skill to navigate uncertainty, the more trust that you're creating, the less friction there is in the system. The more compassion you extend to others, the more people want to align with you and help you out. The more you're clear in what the big picture is for your group of people and where you're going and why, the less you have to manage people because they know how to get the results. They know where they're supposed to go. So there are some smaller things that we each have within our control to change and, um, oh, what's learners the last, I can't remember. If if you and I are in relationship, Jane, and I change myself somehow for the better, you are forced to change in relationship to me. So just by changing myself and my energy and my accountability and my alignment, it has this ripple effect People around, it may not be quite so clear the, um, the direct consequences, but it happens. And we know this. We know this in our personal lives. We turn up more aligned, and everyone around us seems to respect us more. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I helped there.
0: I think so. And it reminds me of a conversation we were in earlier in the week when you were talking about marginal gains. And the fact that there is a lot that we can do, like in our own sphere of influence, just that 1% every day that yes. after a year has a massive compounding effect. Yeah. And, and I think that's something we easily forget, particularly in organizational life. But in our own lives, we forget that, you know, we don't have to do everything today that we might want to change but just a small change every day over a long period of time is much more effective than one big change today and then nothing for the rest of the year exactly exactly
1: <laughs> yeah and I've seen that very much in my life this year making that a very deliberate practice
0: yeah and I think that's something that and I love that you brought in the ripple effect because that's another thing that stays invisible for so many of us you know we don't realize often the you know that maybe the negative impact or the positive impact that we have on people because it's not often that we turn around and and necessarily share these things unless we're in a position where we need to so you know often we do things and we live our lives and you know we're in our daily activities at work and at home and we're not always thinking about that, that ripple effect. And mm-hmm. it's so important in the world because to me, that's the, the thing we talk about Sacred Changemakers a lot, that interconnectivity of the world. And it's very easy in an, in an individualistic culture like the US to think that, well, I'm an individual, I'm responsible for everything that I do in my life and I've just got to get on with it like some kind of lone wolf. That's not what you're talking about, is it? (laughs) Exactly.
1: And um, we talked earlier about bringing the two sides together. And so, yes, um, I studied physics, Newtonian physics in high school. And, And most people go around thinking, well, that's the end of the story. But with quantum mechanics, with all the wisdom traditions, the poets and the philosophers, they all point to how connected we are empirically connected i mean science will can show these connections that we have and when my energy changes it affects the energy of those around me and when i am and here's another one that's um kind of blowing my mind right now and i'm trying to um, resonate with this one. the more connected i am to myself truly to my inside the greater connection I feel to other people Mm -hmm. and that now science is proving that you don't have to go to church to find that out yeah
0: yeah it's funny because I'm starting to realize that the power of everything is in the connections Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not actually, you know, like when I think about school and even like college and graduate school, it was really based on Newtonian physics, like physical data, evidence, scientific mindset, all of this stuff that I can touch and feel and I know it's there, right? Mm -hmm. But the more I kind of the more experience I gain in the work that I do with other people and it just in my life I guess now being in my 50s it's so interesting to me that I realize that like just like you've spoken about Angela it's the invisible that's running the show Mm -hmm. you know like you said it's these 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 invisible things that are actually driving our individual behaviors and it's our collective cultures that are driving the collective behaviors mm-hmm. and it's it's all in these spaces in between whether that's in my own interior or between me and another person or another thing where the real magic lies. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm told by quantum mechanics people in quantum mechanics is the relative distance between the atoms inside my body is greater than the relative distance between me and people next to me Hmm. so this these these beliefs we have about being atomized individuals are, are, are really in our head
0: nature doesn't see it that way right and for some reason I feel like we're almost and and this might just be me which is why I'm voicing it out loud to see what you Mm -hmm. think is this idea of I'm noticing it in my own life I'm I'm going back to it's almost like going back to more natural ways of I mean I'll, I'll talk about my own health for a minute you know Eating, I'm I'm trying to be more organic with that. I'm listening to indigenous spirituality and their wisdom. It's like I'm almost starting to invite back in the natural world into Mm -hmm. my life to start to guide me a Mm -hmm. little bit. Um, And I know there's a whole field of of leadership and, and business in this space, but I think there's a lot we can learn from thinking about things like growth which is you know the main agenda for most organizations and most business and even most individuals want to grow and mature through their lives you know I look out of my window I look at my office window and I don't need to do anything to help the grass and the trees grow (laughs) that are out there they just grow right yeah yeah. so it's so what I'm learning from some of this looking out into the natural world is that these are like it's emergent growth is emergent it's not a recipe for success it's you create the conditions for that success and then it's almost like you let it go and allow it to emerge it's I mean does that resonate for you I mean what do yeah you yeah think
1: and I, I, I um, <laughs> it brings up a thought that I hadn't you, you put you give me something I go oh two and two so um growth you know business um is very focused on growth and you're talking about nature, and I think now nature doesn't like un doesn't like growth that just goes um, unchecked. And we somehow, in at least Western business, talk about this unchecked growth. Mm-hmm. Now, in nature, unchecked growth is considered cancerous. Mm-hmm. So yes, we want growth in business, but remember, we don't want it to be cancerous. We want it to be, we need to be able to survive with everyone else around. And if I grow so big that I take up all the space, then I'm gonna be left by myself with no food or friends or clean air or what have you. So yes, I think it's this idea of learning from nature, which is not to say that everything we've understood um, about logic and measurement and things like that, we throw out the window, it's we need to marry them.
0: That's honestly how I see this time right now. I do see it as a time of integration. Yes. Because it's almost like we fragmented different bodies of knowledge. And now I feel it's time to bring them together.
1: Yes. And that is becoming
0: increasingly
1: important, I think, for leaders moving into this new world. is that they do need to be able to consider the system, what the system they're in needs now and in the future. And that's, you know, both their investors and their employees and the environment around them. And they also need to be uh, have an understanding of the dynamics that they're within. So the legal system, the technological system, the um, politics, they need to have an understanding. They can't work in um, some little pigeonhole. Um, and then, then they need to be able to evaluate and take decisions based on A sustainable perspective talking about like in harmony with nature Mm. and other people yeah and that's a new body of thinking that's it's a new way or it's a maybe not so new but it's a way of thinking that i think has been ignored by many and many of us have not really been taught how to think
0: that way So I'm noticing the time. So I'm just gonna ask you one final question because I've really? just loved our conversation and I'm a little bit miffed that we're at this time point and I'm like, oh gosh, I'd love to dive into this deeper. But this sense that, you know, if there's anything we haven't got to that you'd like to share with our listeners, anything that, you know, maybe it's words of wisdom, maybe it's just expanding or maybe it's bringing up something that we haven't talked about yet. What might it be?
1: So, we've talked about the importance of um, integrating the polarities of um, profit, people, and planet, and um, being able to navigate uncertainty, powerful partnerships, and networks um, and aligned action. And um, one of the things that I, I neglected to say is there is a journey for all of us to take, especially leaders, and that is to be able to. Um, integrate the different types of intelligences that we have within us. There's the um, intelligence that we think of in the head, but there's a heart intelligence, and there's a body intelligence, and they, those parts of the body each have their role, and we need to be able to listen, we need to nurture, and educate, and harness them, and use them appropriately. So, um, if you come to me crying, Jane, if I go straight to my head, that's not meeting you where you need. Yeah. If, if I'm feeling um, very lonely and afraid, eating is not going to help me. I'm going to my gut. No, that's the wrong place. So we need to know what, which part of our intelligence is needed the heart definitely is a place that gives the, um, gives the most important direction, needs the head to creatively solve the problem, maybe to analyze it, to give words to it, to communicate it. And our gut is there, I, from what I understand, that tells us about our identity So when you feel like you want to throw up over an idea, you know that idea is out of alignment with you. So all of us or most of us tend to fall into like, I'll use one or two parts of me. To really be whole and effective and to have impact is you need to be totally aligned, head, heart and gut.
0: I love that. That feels really powerful to me and a great reminder Uh, something that I can kind of hold in my head you know like head heart and gut and just remember Mm. that as I'm going through my daily life so Mm. I love that you've shared that I think that'd be really valuable for our listeners so thank you Angela I I've enjoyed our conversation today I knew I would (laughs) and I know our listeners will feel inspired I think by what you've shared today so thank you so much
1: oh thank you I love spending time with you Jane so
0: any excuse
1: (laughs) And to be heard, of course, have somebody listen
0: to me. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, guys. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And a big thank you to our sponsors, Coaches Business School, who are helping us to make a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website and if you're a coach wanting to grow your impact you will need to understand how to build a business that works today so check out coaches business school's unique frameworks and methods to help you grow your business in a way that works for you and your clients and helps make a meaningful difference in our world hashtag transition team it's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you and together we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com and our sponsors at coachesbusinessschool.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.